Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that. Ephesians 5 is where Brother Williams was reading from. and Saw some of you starting to sweat a little bit. Starts talking about wives submitting and husbands loving and all that. But God is using here. Don't worry, we're not going that route. God is using an illustration of the church here for that, for that reason. In... Uh, in verse 23, he says that Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is in charge. He's the head of it. In verse 24, he says that this church is subject unto Christ because he's the head. In verse 25, he says that Christ died for the church. He gave himself for it. In verse 26, why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I'm going to pray one more time before we get, get started this morning. Lord, I need you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the church. Lord, thank you that we meet together here as a church. But Lord, you, it's all because of you. You died for the church. Lord, you rose again for the church. Lord, I, I thank you that you started the church. You're the head of the church. Lord, some man's not in charge. And, and God, we follow your word and we follow your teachings. And, and Lord, we follow your example as we at the church live here even in today, year 2022. And I pray that you'd help us to learn from the word today and be challenged about what we are and who we are. And I ask your blessing, Holy Spirit. God, that you'd fill me, that you'd use me, that you'd meet here with us. And empower your word. Lord, we know it doesn't return void. We ask you to challenge us, to, please, today. Convict us. Help us to know who we are and why we are that. In your precious holy name. Amen. God has been convicting me here recently about teaching what we are, who we are, and what we believe. When you look around the world today, too many people are changing. And God may be this way, but I can identify as that. That's not Bible. No, God says you are wonderfully made. On purpose. And here, God gave, God's teaching us about the church that Jesus Christ began. All right, we know in Matthew chapter 16, He said, And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ started the church. Not some man. Jesus did. That was his plan from the beginning. His whole purpose. We see in the, in the New Testament, Paul writes about it, that there was a mystery. And that mystery came about to, uh, after Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross. And, and the church began, the, the church that Christ began Started right there. We see the book of Acts. and we, Well, we see in the Gospels where Jesus is teaching his disciples how a church ought to operate. What a church is supposed to do. What the, what the men in the church were supposed to do. How they were to handle things. He taught them the word. He taught them how to teach the word. He taught them how to pray. He taught them how to, how to go out and witness and give the word. He taught them what to do after somebody gets saved. He taught them how to deal with sinners when, when they weren't uh, lining up with the word, church discipline and things like that. He taught them about what a church was. And then we see the book of Acts. 
beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus Christ ascends into heaven. And the apostles then carry on what he's taught them. And that, fir- that, that church in Jerusalem, that first church, as it began to grow and expand, and we see what they did, that we have a, uh, the book of Acts is a, a history book of that example. And then we have the rest of the New Testament. Most of them being letters written to churches, teaching the doctrines of God. And some, re- let, some letters written to churches, some letters written to pastors of churches. But Jesus Christ is all about the church. Again, he, came, he started it. He's the head of it. He came and died for it. He rose again for it. He's making sure that it continues. Without Jesus Christ, none of this is possible. Now let's back up for a moment. I say this often, but let me, let's be reminded again of the truth of the Word of God. The church is not these nice walls here. The church is not the pew you're sitting in or the floor or these speaker systems we are talking about today. The church is not all these different buildings that God has given us here. The church is us. A church means a called out assembly. It means people get saved and they come out of the world and they meet together. That's what, that's what a church is. Amen? But sometimes we can, sometimes we can get a little confused. Because nowadays there's so many different types of churches. Some, sometimes we can scratch our head and say, wait a minute. You know, there's the Methodists and there's the Lutherans and there's the Baptists and there's the Catholics and there's the Pentecostals. And there's this version of that one and there's this version of that one. You know, there's the Southern Baptists and there's the General Baptists and there's the, and there's the Coffee Drinking Baptists and there's the, the, the Eating Every Day Baptists. You know what I'm saying. I'm just having fun. Okay. If, if you, if you want to go to church for your conveniences, you can find it. If you want to go to church where there's a coffee shop, you can find it. I'm not saying that's wrong and sin. I'm saying you can find it. If you want to go to a church that feels like a movie theater, you can find it. If you want to go to a church that doesn't step on your toes and preach the word of God and tell you that you're a sinner, you can find those churches. Why? Because mankind's all about making things convenient for himself. There's all kinds of different churches. Folks, today, my purpose today, what God is leading me to do is preach to you why I'm a Baptist. I'm not a Baptist on accident. I'm not a Baptist because my grandma was a Baptist. In fact, she was a Lutheran, and I was baptized as a baby in a Lutheran church. But one day, praise God, somebody shared the gospel with me, and I got saved. Because baptism's not by sprinkling a baby and by some little bit of drops of water on your head. It's about faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ and that you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. But I'm a Baptist by conviction, not by convenience, not just because, and it's not just because a Baptist pointed the way to Christ, praise God, that it was a Baptist, but it's not the reason I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist by conviction because the Word of God teaches some things, and I want to share to you today why I'm a Baptist. I need to know who I am because if I don't, I'm going to change. There's coming a day where I'm going to come up against a little uh, inconvenience or a little hard spot and I'm going to change. You've seen it. You see it in our country today. You want to know why our country's changing? Because we don't know our history. We don't know why we, we have what we have and we don't know why we stand for why we, what we stand for and it's so quick to change it. I'm a Baptist and I'm on, I'm on purpose a Baptist. I'm, can, I have a, I'm a Baptist by conviction. I'm unashamed of that. 
We're not Protestants. Let me, let me say that real quick. We're not Protestants. We were not Catholics, nor did we come out of the Catholic Church during the Reformation. We are not Protestants. You can trace what we believe and what we preach right here, right now. You can trace it all the way back through time before the Catholic Church to the days of Christ. Because it all is right here. We existed before all that. We did not give ourselves the name Baptist. Many people would think that. We didn't give ourselves the name. We were called that by other people. You, you read in the history and you'll, you'll, you'll understand. There was a day when people would call us Anabaptists. Anabaptists, what it means is rebaptizers. You look, look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't give himself the name John the Baptist. God told his parents to call him John, and other people called him John the Baptist. You know why? Because he pointed people to Christ, pointed people to God, and then he baptized them to show on the outside their repentance on the inside. What, what do we do? We point people to Christ, and then we baptize them, right? Yes? And people called us Anabaptists back in the day, several hundred years ago. Why? Because there was people in churches man-made religions and churches that were baptizing people as infants and babies and all that. And then people would learn the Word of God, get saved, and then folks that believed our way, our ancestors in the faith, would then re-baptize them because the Bible teaches baptism comes after salvation. And the outside group, the outside world began to call us re-baptizers. Eventually, eventually, Anna dropped off. And they just called us Baptists. That's okay that somebody else called us Baptists. I'm okay with that. I'll take that name and I'll own it and praise God for it. It could have been a different name. But it lines up with this right here. Now, you say, well, Pastor John, there's so many different flavors of Baptist churches. Well, that's, that's why you've got to make sure it lines up right here. Because mankind will do what mankind wants to do when he's not focused on this book. There's all kinds of flavors. I'm telling you today that this church right here is an independent, fundamental Baptist church on purpose. And I'm going to teach you why. I'm going to teach you why today. Help us to understand this. I, I put some things. Oh, look at that. They already got it up there. Look at that. You know, I don't get into all that stuff too much, but every once in a while I got to use it. Okay, because it's, it's helpful, all right, sometimes. Okay, this is for all you Brother Williams people, all right? So I got it on the screen, all right? He needed this. He said, Pastor Preacher, can you just get something on the screen for me so I can, I can see it? I'm, I need to see it. So I'm trying to help a brother out, okay? All right, so if you fit in his category, here it is. Why am I a Baptist? I got to know who I am. Look, his wife's down here laughing. She knows. She knows. Why I'm a Baptist? You know, there's a nice little acrostic. Is that how I say it? Acrostic? Okay. You take each letter and, and, and it means something. It stands for something. And this will help us to know what Baptist stands for and, and help us to know what we believe. And so I've done this today to be a help to us to know where we are. Listen, if we don't teach this, we're going to lose it. 
Just like if we don't teach our history of the United States of America and why we have a constitution and why we live by that law, that constitution, we're going to lose it. We've got to teach who we are and what we believe. Number one, B. The B. You got that up there? Does it come up? Look at that. B. You know what B stands for? Biblical authority. Biblical authority. Let's take our Bibles, please, and let's go to 2 Timothy. We're going to use our Bibles a little bit. I know my time's running short, but I'm going to, I'm going to use our Bibles for a moment. We'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. All right? It's to the right of where we were. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here a letter is written by Paul to a preacher, to Timothy, and he's teaching him some things, some doctrines that God wanted him to teach him. All right, and then towards the end of the chapter, the last two verses, verses 16 and 17, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I don't normally preach in a style for you to take notes, but if you need to write this down so you remember who you are and why you are, this would be a good message to write notes for. That's not normally my style, but I'm, I'm doing it today because this is what God wants me to do, and it might be a help to you. Okay? 2 Timothy 3.16. We have, B stands for biblical authority. All right? Look at the word. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is verse 16. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now let that sink in. What did that just say? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathed it. God gave it to man. You look in, uh, in 2 Peter, the Bible says the word did not come by the will of man, but by the Holy Ghost. God gave us the word, not man. God gave it to us. Now men wrote it down as God gave it to them, and 2 Peter and 1 Peter even teaches that. But God exalts, listen here, what's amazing is, uh, God exalts His Word even above His name. The, Bible, the book of uh, Psalms tells us that, that He exalts His Word above His own name. There's power behind this thing. There's authority behind the Word of God. Amen? We ought not to add to it because we, we're man and we're not God. We ought not to take away from it because we're man and not God. We leave God's word alone. He gave it to us. It's right. It's perfect. And we're going to keep at it. Okay. The, the Bible says in uh, Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God did that thing. In Psalm chapter 12, he says that he hath preserved it from this generation forever. He gave it to us. He preserved it. It's the word of God. We're Baptists and we believe in biblical authority. Now think about that. Think about that for just a moment. Common sense here. If I was up here preaching my opinion, we'd be in trouble. You know why? Because my opinion differs than Brother Urish right down here. Why? Because we're two men and God made us men and we, we don't 100% agree on every single little detail of life. You know that. Pastor Bain before me. We, don't, we didn't agree on every single little detail in life. Because we're men. We have opinions. Each one of you ladies in here, you think uh, that you need to do your hair just a little bit different and put that place of hair wherever. You've got different opinions, right? I'm glad when we go over here to the gym today and we eat, there's going to be different types of dishes of chicken. And some of you think that it ought to be done this way. And some of you think it ought to be done this way. We have different opinions. Yes? 
Listen here, Mrs. Smith, and you'll know this, all right? I give you permission to amen or shake a hanky if you want to, all right? Listen here. Pastor Don Smith would not, would not agree with every single little thing ever I've ever done. And I wouldn't agree with every single little thing he ever did. You know why? Because God made him a man and God made me a man and we have man, we have our own opinions. Now, if I preach opinion up here, the problem is, is that the next guy is going to change it. But we don't need to change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have his word that doesn't change. That's who we are. We're, we, we believe in biblical authority. We're Baptists. The word of God is our final authority. Number next, letter A. You throw that up there for me. Letter A. Autonomy of the church. This is important. Autonomy of the church. Pastor, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Would you go in your Bibles here back to Acts, the book of Acts, right? In the New Testament, we have four Gospels and then the book of Acts. And go to Acts chapter 2, please. Acts chapter 2. Autonomy of the church. That word autonomy means, the definition means independence or freedom. A self-governing community. That's what the word autonomy means. Self-governing community. Okay? Now, let's look at our example here in the book of Acts. All right? In chapter 2, towards the end of the chapter, Peter's been preaching. And he's been preaching Christ. And uh, verse 37 says uh, that as he was preaching, men were convicted. They were pricked in the heart. And they said, what shall we do? And Peter says in verse 38, he says unto them, repent. Repent. And be baptized. Every one of you. He says you need to get saved. And after you get saved, you need to get baptized. In the name of the Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And ye, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he goes on there and he teaches these things. And, and he's given his word out. Look, look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word. That means those that accepted Christ. His word that he was preaching about Jesus Christ. They got saved. Then they that gladly received his word. Were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Let's keep going. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You see all those reasons they're meeting there? This is the church here. They're meeting to, to, to preach the word, to teach the word, to preach the word, to fellowship, to break bread together in prayers. Praise God for that breaking of bread. We're going to go after, over in the gym right after this. We're going to break some bread together. You with me? Praise God. I like to eat. I, it's funny there was no, uh, there's no E in the word Baptist because eating, that sounds real good. Okay, all right, moving on. All right, all right, moving on. So, so they met together for these reasons. Look at verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Skip to 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness. You see that? They were eating meat, by the way. So why you see that? They weren't eating lettuce. They were eating meat. All right. And did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. I'm having fun with you today. I'm trying, I'm trying to get you to smile a little bit. Some of y'all can chew your lettuce with your rabbits. I'm going to eat some meat. All right. Praise God. All right. And they, and they did it with gladness and singleness of heart. Look at 47. Praise God, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. See that? Nowhere in that example 
Do you see Peter, James, and John running down the street to the next church and getting approval about what they're doing? See that? Nowhere in the scripture do you see where God puts some churches to be over other churches and a, and a build up hierarchy of churches that, that, that we've got to answer to some cardinal or some, some, some bishop or some pope. You with me? The Bible teaches that a church is a local group of people that are come out of the world. They meet together under the leadership of Jesus Christ and his word. That's what the Bible teaches. And you will never find in the word of God that there's some big ranking order of churches where one has to answer to another or get approval. You'll never see that in the word of God. And so Baptists, we believe in the autonomy of the church, meaning we're independent of anything else. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. There are some churches in this world, and if they want to be involved in missions, they got to call down to some council, some convention, some board, and ask for uh, uh, if, if we can support some kind of missionary. No. If we want to support missionaries, we find them and say, come on in and tell us your passion. Tell us what, what the conviction of God's tell, wanting you to do. And then we find out about this couple that says, man, we, need, we want to go to Brazil. And there's a bunch of deaf people in Brazil. And, when they go, and, and we want to share the gospel with them. You know what we do? We say, praise the Lord. You line up with us, let's do it. And we'll support you. And you'll be part of our church. And you're an extension of our church. It's because God gave us independence in, in order to do that. We don't have to clear it with anybody. We don't have to check it through anybody. The autonomy of the church is an important thing. You with me now? We Baptists believe in the autonomy of the church. We stand alone. Now, God, you'll never see in the Word that God built up ranking systems in church. Mankind did that. Mankind did that. Well, we've got to have some kind of, we've got to figure this thing out. I don't, I don't know how they're doing it, but you know these churches nowadays, they've got all these two and three and four different campuses and there's a, there's a big one over here and now they've got all these versions and they're trying to get big in some big empire. No, God created the local church. And he gave leadership in his word underneath of Christ. I'm not the shepherd, I'm the under-shepherd. That means what I do must line up with what Jesus Christ wants as your pastor. I'm the under-shepherd. It's all about him. Let's move on. Next letter, please. Letter P is the priesthood of the believers. I say, what? Pastor John, what does that mean, priesthood? You want us to be priests? Yes. Yes. Let's look at the word of God now. Go over with me to 1 Peter. This is to the right now. If you, if you flip to the right, you might find Hebrews. You just keep on going. Hebrews, James, and then 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, please. If you hit 1st or 2nd or 3rd John, you went too far. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now here's Peter. Okay, Peter was an apostle. That means he, he walked with Jesus Christ in the flesh. He was here, was, saw him. And now this is later on. And Peter is writing letters to Christian believers, to believers in Christ that have been scattered abroad because of persecution. Remember in the book of Acts? When great persecution came and the church got scattered and they went around the Mediterranean Sea and then the word of God began to expand and grow. Okay? The Bible told that Jesus told them to take the, the word of God to every creature. 
But they didn't at first. They stayed put in Jerusalem. And they got so big, and they weren't taking the, 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 the Word of God to everywhere. So what happened? He said, well, I'll just throw in some persecution. I'll scatter them. He did that. And then the Word of God began to scatter around the Mediterranean Sea in the known world at that time. And now he's later, Peter's writing a letter to them. And look what he says in verse 9. Look at this. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He says you're special. God chose you for a reason. And you're a royal priesthood. Did you see that? A royal priesthood. So Pastor John, do I have to wear the white collar? <laughs> I don't know about anything about that. I don't see that in the Word of God. Okay? Alright? But what I do know is that because I'm saved, I'm a priest before Jesus Christ. I'm a, a priesthood of the believer. That's what we believe in around here because the Word of God tells us we are. A priest is someone who enters into the presence of God on behalf of someone else. In the Old Testament, you know that the high priest of the Jewish, you know, the Jewish high priest, he had to go in before God on behalf of himself and on behalf of his people. Uh, that a man could not just enter into the presence of God because we are sinners. Our sin, God in his perfection cannot look on our sin. And we cannot come in directly before God. And so God had them build a tabernacle, which was a tent that would eventually become the temple, a structure. And inside of that, you know that in the inner, in the inner part of it, the most inner room was called the holy place or the holy of holies. And that's where God told them to set the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not talking about Noah's Ark. I'm talking about a piece of furniture that represented the presence of God. It was, a, it was a small desk, maybe, maybe perhaps even the size of, of this table right here in front of me. It, 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 was, it was not a large piece, but it was special for a purpose. It represented the presence of God. When the Jews crossed the Jordan River, you know what, the, what happened? You know what God told them to do? Those priests were carrying that, that ark. He said there was a way and they were supposed to carry it. They were carrying that ark. And the priests, when they stepped into that water, it split. It parted, and they, all the people crossed on dry land because God went before them and parted that water. That, that ark represented the presence of God. And inside of that ark, Moses put the tables of stone, put the Ten Commandments that God wrote on the tables of stone. He also put that rod of Aaron, the first high priest, that rod that budded. It was a dead piece of wood, and God allowed it to bud and to grow. To show the authority of Aaron as the first high priest. Moses put that in there too. It was a special piece of furniture that represented the presence of God. Now, the reason I'm talking about all that is because man could not come right up to it. Could not enter the presence of God. A, a, a high priest was to do that once a year with blood to atone for his sin and the sins of the people. Now, once Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his perfect blood and became that perfect sacrifice once and for all, you know what the Bible says? It says there was a big curtain in that temple that separated man and God. And that curtain from the top down, not from the bottom up, but from the top down, God did it. 
And that curtain split in two. It was rent in two. I just sang about it here a little while ago. I was talking about that, that rent in two. And, uh, and that curtain split in two. And God said, you have access to me. You have access to me. Would you come? Would you come? You have access to me. And mankind now, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, has access to him. We don't, you don't, listen here. You don't have to come to the preacher and say, preacher, would you pray about this thing? Now you can, and I will gladly do that. But you can go before God on your own and pray over something, pray over whatever you want. The Bible teaches in the book of Hebrews that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace. To ask for help in time of need. Amen. That means the the priesthood of the believer. We have the ability to come boldly before the throne of God. That's why this old fashioned altar is so important and we're not getting rid of it. Because after the preaching of the word of God, men and women uh, of all ages and all kinds come down here and meet with God right here before him. And say, Lord, you're talking to me. You're speaking to my heart and I need to I need to talk with you. I need, to get, I need to get right. Maybe you come down here and get saved today if you're not saved. Come on. This is a wonderful place. Come down and meet with the Lord right here. That's why we have that thing. But you can do it right there in your pew too. You can do it at your home. You can do it in your closet. You can do it in your car while you're driving. Just don't close your eyes. <laughs> Bible says you have open access to God. Because you're a priest before Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. And you're a priest underneath of him. Praise the Lord for that. Okay. We're running out of time. I'll do one more letter. We'll have to finish it up some other time. Okay. We're not just a bapt. All right. We're not just a bapt. We're a baptist. We're baptists. So I'll finish it up some other time. All right. Letter T means two ordinances. So what are you talking about, Pastor John? I'm talking about two distinct Commands of Jesus Christ that he told the, the church to do. Two specific things. Okay? You say, well, pre- preacher, I can, I can think of all kinds of stuff he told us to do. Yeah, maybe you as an individual, but to the church, he gave two specific commands that he wants us to do. All right? Go with me, please, to, to Romans. Go back to the left here, past the books of Corinthians, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. The first one, the first ordinance. See, let, me, let me help you here. I wrote this down because I was thinking about that word ordinance. An ordinance means authoritative rule, a decree or command. All right. Um, I'm not taking you a place where to show you where the word ordinance is in the Bible. We have commands of Jesus and that word ordinance means a decree or a command. It's a it's. It's given to us by authority, a command that the church is to do. Look at chapter 6 of Romans and look back, look at verse 3. Romans 6, 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So many times throughout the scriptures, God tells us to get baptized after we get saved. Okay? Well, the, the Bible says in the Great Commission in, in uh, Matthew chapter 28 teaches us to, to go and to teach people how to get saved. And after they get saved, we baptize them. 
He tells, uh, Peter was preaching there in Jerusalem. We were just in Acts chapter 2. And he says, repent and then be baptized. It's a command of scripture that the church and that we are to, once people get saved, we are to baptize folks. And that's why we have a baptistry up there. It's an ordinance that God told us to do and it's important. It's a picture of what Jesus Christ has done in your heart. Baptism does not save you. I can go up there and I can be like Naaman and I can dip seven times and all this stuff. I'm never going to get saved just dipping down in the water. I don't care what fancy pair of swim trunks or what robe I put on or what, what kind of water I got in there. I don't care if I got Brother Williams go up there and make it, bless it and call it holy. I don't care what it is. That's not going to save me. But what the purpose of that is, is just like my wedding ring right here. Takes me a minute, but I get it off. If I take my wedding ring off and I set it, set it right there, you know what? I'm still married. The most important reason is because Mrs. Woolard's right there and she won't let me forget it. <laughs> okay? All right? But we also, because we got a piece of paper that says we've been married. And we did it before God, and God says we're married. Until death do us part. That's what God said. Okay? But I wear this wedding ring proudly because she gave it to me and she said you put that on your finger you let people know (laughs) right okay and uh, you should have seen her when she told me that too (laughs) I'm just kidding all right she gave me that ring she gave me that ring and she said you wear that and you let people know you belong to me that's what baptism is It's a picture of your salvation. And that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what we believe. And we're going to keep doing it. You stand in that water. Oh, excuse me. The water's here. And you're standing. Paints a picture of the cross. And and the Bible just said here in Romans that we're buried like he was. we, We go under the water. We're buried to represent his death. And we're raised like he was. He was raised in resurrection time. With me? We're a new creature in Christ. We're not our own. We're dead to sin. We're alive in Christ. New creature. That's baptism. God told us to do it. The next one, the next ordinance, there's two of them. The next one's the Lord's Supper. Okay? I'm not going to take the time. We're about out of time. I'm not going to take it and take it to Scripture, but you can look it up anytime you want. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's teaching us what Christ taught the, de- the night he was, he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, before that, they're having the Passover meal. And he takes, he takes the uh, things, the, the bread there, the unleavened bread. Okay, rep- it was a representation, unleavened bread, okay, without sin. All right. And Jesus Christ gave his body. And then that grape juice that represents his blood, it wasn't fermented. It wasn't with sin. You understand there? It was perfect. So let's not, let's not do this thing and, and uh, we think we can uh, drink alcohol and call it good. No, it was grape juice. It was the fruit of the vine, which was called wine in his day, in Jesus' day. Okay? Now, he taught them that you do this in remembrance of me. Just two weeks ago, we had a great service here, Sunday night, and we, had, we observed the Lord's table. He doesn't tell us how often we're to do it, but he does tell us that we are to do it. 
And so as God gives direction, the Holy Spirit gives direction to me, we're going to do it as, as He sees fit. And so that's a second ordinance of the of Baptist. That's what we believe. All right? Again, preacher, you're, you're teaching all this stuff. I want you to know who you are and what you believe. It's important. It's important. Let's go back to the first one. Biblical authority. If we don't line up with His Word of God, what are we doing? You don't want to listen to me if I don't got any authority. Because I'm just up here blowing a bunch of hot air. What does God say? Get in this book. God has convicted me about teaching what we believe and what this Bible believes right here. I'm telling you what, in, in a couple weeks, um, I, I'll give you this announcement here. In a couple weeks, I'm going to start a little series on Sunday night about what does the Bible say about this. And we're going to go through some, some controversial or maybe even some difficult things on how we live life. And what the Bible says about this thing right here. You, and, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me on that. But it might be, have something to do with alcohol. What do we believe about that? It might have something to do about, about uh, uh, maybe the, what, what kind of clothes we wear. Because the Bible teaches some things. Now, I, I grow tired of just hearing, hearing a man say things and with his opinion all the time. Okay? I've heard so much, so much preaching about uh, how you ought to dress and what music you ought to listen to and all this stuff. I want to know what God says. I don't want to just hear what some man says. I want to hear what God says. And we're going to take some time and learn the Word of God and what God has to say about our music. And what God has to say about, about how we live this and what we do there. What God has to say about our church attendance. What God has to say about uh, uh, whatever, that, this thing or that thing. And we'll go through and we'll, we'll follow what the Holy Spirit teaches us on that thing. Let's know who we are, what we believe. Study to show yourself approved. That's what we're supposed to do. Going back here to the biblical authority, and that's where we began. I'm going to ask you today. Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? You can write this down and look it up later. 1 John 5.13 says, I can know for sure. I don't have to hope about it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to guess about it. I can know for sure that I'm saved. That I'm a child of God. 1 John 5.13. He says, I've written this to you that ye may know that she may know that she have eternal life. Do you know that for sure? In just a moment, I'm going to have an invitation. I'm going to invite everybody. That means believers that have already been saved. And challenge you to get in the Word of God and know what you believe. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, you don't know for sure you're, you're saved, well, let's take care of it. Let's take care of it. The Bible says you can know for sure. Let's come find out what, what exactly, how do I get saved? What do I do? And I'm going to have men up here with their Bibles. I'm going to have ladies up here with their Bibles. And if you need to get saved, you can come and get saved. We'll rejoice with you when you get saved. Praise God. The Bible says the angels rejoice in heaven when one comes to get saved. Let's bow together. Lord Jesus, help us this morning.
Lord, now the afternoon. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for what you've given us, what we know, what, what we believe. Thank you, Lord, that we can trace what we believe all through time, all throughout time to, to, where, to the days of Jesus Christ. That we're not going off of what some man said, but we're going off what God said. Lord, thank you for making it possible that we can have church today by your blood that you shed. Thank you for washing us white as snow, that we can be called out from the world and we can, we can be believers here. Not having to pay for our sin one day, but Lord, saved by your grace. Thank you that it's just through faith. Lord, I pray that there's somebody here today that doesn't know for sure they're saved. That they would come, Lord, and say, I want to know for sure. I want to get saved. Would you help me? Would you pray with me? Lord, maybe there's, a, there's some believers in here today that need to come back and say, i got to get back to the Word of God and know what the Bible says, what God said about this individual thing here. I need to know who I am. As a father, i got to know what goes on in my home is okay with God. As a mother, what I'm teaching my children is okay with God. As an individual, what I'm doing day to day is right before God. Lord, may we study to show ourselves approved. May we know who we are and what we believe, that we can give an answer for it. Help us this morning, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.